Welcome to Lori Talks. My guest today, none other than Katie Tate, creative producer, director, choreographer, and teacher. Recent credits include assistant directing for Jennifer Lopez, It's My Party Tour, producer for Holiday with the Huffs with Derek and Julian, that had to be nice, co-director for Get This World of Dance Live Tour, choreographer for Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and then choreographer and creative associate for Disney's Holiday Celebration, lots of work with Jennifer Lopez, MTV Video Vanguard Performance, Billboard Music Awards, Latin Billboards, AMAs, and wait, the Super Bowl 2020, incredible. For the past seven years, you served as dance master for The Beatles, Love, Cirque du Soleil, and you've also worked with Mystere, Zumanity, O, and La Nuba. And then, wait, you have a new project. Well, I don't know how new it is, but it's your own project, Human Movement, and it's a conversation about the growth of emotional intelligence, mental toughness, relative to the next generation of industry professionals in humans and in this life. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, put your hands together. A big round of applause for my friend and yours, Miss Katie Tate. Yes. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you for having me. Go ahead. Tell us what's going on in your world. Um, unfortunately, and fortunately, I'm on, on the other side of this crazy virus. I contracted it, sadly, and, and it was a pretty severe case, and I did have to go to the hospital, and but I was one of the lucky ones. And again, now I'm home and healing, and just looking at the state of the world as it is now, and us trying to figure out our new normal. Yeah. Did having the virus change your perspective about life in any way? Well, you know, honestly, leading up to, I was working on uh, season three of World of Dance when all of this started to come on, and. Uh, we had just wrapped the Super Bowl, and this past year has been so heavy work-wise that I was really going forth with an ambition to figure out a balance in my life. So my plan was to take a full month off and just figure out who I am outside of what I do. And so uh, it's funny how life works that way, where that was my plan, and it showed me, it kind of forced me to take that direction, but it also did give me some perspective of realizing what's important and I think that has given some perspective for a lot of people right now to be around the people that they love if they are in a privileged position where they're not hurting for food or being able to pay for their mortgage or utilities whatever it may be is just recognizing again the human connection and spending time with their children and um, even though kudos to those parents that are being at-home teachers now and uh, the workload that comes with that, but us just really realizing what our true priorities are and getting our mind off of the hustle that it can become so frequently. So that has been the beautiful side of it. And mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that in a way. I think now we just have to reassess what what our industry looks like. How old were you when you realized you wanted a career in the performing arts industry? Well, I grew up with two parents that um, my father was a producer, band manager, musician, and my mother was a model, and so they both were creatives. And then my mom got into costume design, so very much an intertwined in that world, and, and I started dancing young, and I loved it from an early age. And I think, I don't know when the aspiration to become professional was. I kind of, I feel like I just fell into it. I, I grew up in Orlando, which is an area that has a huge convention market, and I started working professionally at 15 in just doing 
um, industrial type shows. And, and I just really loved it. It was such a beautiful package to be able to do something where you can express yourself and that you love and be able to monetize that. Um, so I've been, I've been fortunate that I've been able to uh, have a career and live well off of a love. How much of that was deliberate on your part? In other words, in looking at your credits, I can see that there's a, a flow to it. The older credits include the words co-choreographer, and then you get to the words co-producer, co-director, and then you work your way up. Are you intentionally strategizing your career in that way? You know, it's, it's funny that you ask that question because I'm sure that there's a latent, deliberate side to me. However, my biggest goal is just to go into each new experience because even if you've done it before, everyone is so very different. I just got off of a call now where we're producing this opening number for an event that was to be canceled, but now we're trying to figure out a way to do it virtually. And so every time that you step into an environment, you're working with different people, you're working in a different environment and new challenges. And so I always just go in with the intention to learn as much as I can. I was at Cirque for seven years and really got to the point where I felt like I knew that job like the back of my hand and I was ready for a new challenge. And and I had so thankfully met Tabitha and Napoleon a couple years prior and they had offered me a position that I thought over for a while. And when I felt like I was a little stagnant at Cirque, I decided to go ahead and take the leap and just go for more learning. And they've really taken me under their wing and, and they're such gracious, beautiful people. They're family to me now. And They've taken me on as co-choreographer, co-producer, and things like that, and now they're offering me opportunities to go and do some of these things on my on my uh, own, uh, smaller projects that they'll give me and just let me play and explore. And so really, I don't know if it's... I do have intention to, at some point, just be able to grow and learn and see where that takes me. I'm not leading toward a title. I'm just leading toward experience, I think. Oh, that's a beautiful soundbite. When you take on these new assignments and someone that you really admire and respect in the industry says, we want you to do this or join us or here's a project, does your heart skip a beat? And do you think to yourself a little bit of doubt maybe? Oh, for sure. My goodness. I think I think that's healthy to a degree. You don't want to, you want to go in with a confidence and, and trust in yourself, but it's only human that you're going to have moments like, oh, my gosh, am I going to be able to fulfill this? Is this going to be everything that everyone wants it to be? But um, you can't get too caught up in it. And I think the work is so overwhelming at times that you can't allow that to get in the way or else you won't be able to produce. So um, I really just get down in a rabbit hole of accomplishing what needs to be done. And, and it's actually been quite interesting this period of time. I was laid up for so long and, so I went back to watch the Super Bowl, which was such an, an overwhelming feat for us. And while we were in it, it was hard to appreciate it because it was just so hard. It was a very difficult job. And um, so being able to sit back two months later and just watch it and appreciate it, I reached out to Tab and I was like, you know, it's so nice for us to, just to watch this as maybe how a spectator would feel and I'm I'm proud of us and the work that we did and it's um it's not often that you get to have those experiences because you usually jump right on to the next project and it comes with the next set of insecurities but it is good every once in a while just to sit back and be like you know you you did do a good job and you did learn this and you should take that confidence into the next 
opportunity. Now we have to connect with people like you, producers, choreographers, in a different way. Right. How do you see what determines credibility for you as you're looking at someone online, when you're watching them? How do you determine credibility so that you know, okay, first of all, you already know the person can dance. Okay, so let's just get that out the way. They can do the work that you need. How do you know they have the disposition, the character, the temperament, the work ethic to give you what you are looking for so much of what I do in the industry is on the ground and in relationships and connections and so our relationship and connection to people is going to be quite different for the next year and a half two years and um, for I my heart hurts for seniors in high school and kids that were just looking to launch into this industry that is completely different but of course, we have to take our reality as it is and figure out how we can make the most of it. Kids coming up now have such an adeptness for technology, and that's a great thing because that's going to be the way that we move forward in this time. Um, my hope is that people are really yearning for personal connection and live events when when we're safe to do so because... Um, I know that they're going to start to innovate in ways to make things virtual, and I hope that we don't lose the want for a human element because, of course, just with the realities of things, if we see that things can be produced for cheaper, if we have to have less people doing it and we can do things through computers and technology, then that will become the new normal. And I, I hope that that's not the case because I take part and humanity to make things uh, live performance special. But I think the more you can lean into the technological side of things, it, it's going to really benefit you because it, it's a huge part of how events have been done just before this pandemic happened. I mean, it intertwines when it comes to video content and lighting design and all of those uh, types of elements combining with the human element. That's what makes it so special. So I hope that we don't lose the, the human element when we reintroduce what live performance means. But if you were like a high school senior and you really thought you were going to move to L.A., this is not the time right now. Maybe you're going to give yourself an extra six months. What could you be doing during that yeah. six months in preparation to wrap your mind around what life looks like and how you must build your reputation, create something that is sustainable. And of course, you may not create that the first decade. It may come along in your second decade. Yeah, I think it's always good to try to determine how you can expand your your talents. So instead of just saying that you are going to come and be a performer, you should have other sides that interest you that you can bring to the table and then offer you more potential for jobs down the line. So you can start to hone skills that may not be your strongest outside of just performance, whether that's video editing, whatever uh, falls into the spectrum of this industry, if that's what you want to enter into, having those types of skills are going to make it much easier for you because some people can't just come and solely be a performer. You're going to have to have side jobs that keep you moving. And if you, are able to come in and work in something that's more technologically based, you're still going to be able to create relationships that then maybe lead you to a performance job down the line. Don't be afraid to take something that isn't necessarily exactly what you want to be doing in the moment because it could lead you to 
what is your ultimate goal. Right now, it's just a time of honing skill. With social media, there's such ways to be able to reach out to your mentors and create relationships. And I think now, because mentors are trying to figure out ways to connect too, it's it's also going to, in some ways, make us a little bit more connected than we were in the past because we've all had to take a moment and just sit. I'm just trying to figure it out myself. And, and I feel like I'm in a bit of a different experience than others in a way because the first full month of this, I was incredibly ill. So just trying to, I feel like I'm waking up to a brand new world in the past like, couple days or so. So, Absolutely. And let's switch the subject, dance studio owner, dance studio ownership, dance teachers, any... I mean, like, I have my own thoughts on all this, but I love getting other people's yeah, perspectives. What, what are your thoughts with that? Because I oh. kind of woke up into how people were offering these online classes for free, which, of course, you want to do that with your heart, but then you have to look at what that does to dance studios trying to offer repertoires online as well. And it's like, if I can get a free class from so-and-so, then why would I sign up for this tuition? But we want to keep these studios alive. That's where you build your foundation and... So I kind of woke up into that whole thing that was going on. So what is your thought on it? Well, I I grew up in a dance studio, and one thing we always heard, there are enough kids to go around. Whenever another studio would open or someone would leave our studio, mother said the same thing, there are enough kids to go around. So if there are enough kids to go around and they're hungry for training, well, then how can we train them as a community? Yeah, and, and I definitely think uh, it's something that can be done and something that has um, a friend of mine, Krista Miller, who owns the space in Brea, California, she has been doing this already remotely where she will type in classes that she teaches in her California-based studio to her group of launch program kids in Las Vegas, and they essentially take class at the same time that the California kids do, and... Um, I think it's brilliant, and it's it's the next move. Um, nothing for me will ever replace being in the same room as the dancer and being able to have feedback and being able to, to just feel each other because dance is is more than just the technical side of it. It's it's a full emotional experience, and so absolutely fill up those mirrors with the fog. Oh my gosh, and and that is what breaks my heart for this generation of dancers and, and hopefully we're able to get to a place where people are able to gather in, in small enough, say 30 kids are still able to come into a room and start to take classes in a safe way. We figure out how to make that happen. But, um, because I, I, that experience of a class, it's like going to church. It's like Doug Caldwell back in the day. I just, you know, I, um, I knew you'd bring up Doug Caldwell because when people talk about when people talk about the sentiment that you're referencing, you know, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a Doug girl, and and I've always been emotionally driven with my my dance, and so it's it's hard for me to kind of um, uh, rationalize it. It almost feels like you're making logic out of the dance by, um, but, but, but you can move forward so much on your foundation and technical base with it. I just don't know how you find the expression through virtual classes yet, but this is part of the, the discovery that we have to, to go through because like you said, this is the new frontier right now. Who knows how it will change. The uncertainty is overwhelming, but, 
Um, definitely. I think studios can uh, utilize these online classes and coaching to further the technical side of what you do. And, and you then I think is... that buildup of mm-hmm. emotion that we'll want to express ultimately when we have the opportunity to do it, it's going to be the best, some of the best dance classes we've ever had in our life when we're finally able to assemble again. Absolutely. You know what I... You know, when I think about, so let's say, because look, there are some dance studios that do not train d- technically sound dancers, right? Mm-hmm. But those kids, they stay there, and they stay there because there's something else that they get from right. that studio. Oh, my and, God. I mean, your dance studio is your home, and right. building your family, and you're building yourself, and, and this kind of parlays a little bit into what human is about, Um Human, like you expressed on there, it, those letters break down into H is honoring your community, U is understanding your instrument, M is making your own mold, A is acting with integrity, and then it's spelled with two N's, so it's misspelled, quote-unquote, and then the, the description of those two uses double negatives of never not a student, never not a teacher, to show us that we're always fallible, we always will be, and there's always something to learn and there's always something that you're teaching one another. So those types of skills are so much of what we learn stepping into a dance studio. So regardless of what industry we choose to move into, we have been built as people, as humans, to go into whatever workforce we choose from the skill that we learn at our studio. Right. And That's why I'm so incredibly grateful for my, my history with my studio. And I share your passion. Hey, wouldn't it be great if when we get back to our dance studios that the community, the industry is so beautifully united that one dance studio will say, you know what, I made this friend a couple of months ago. And at her studio, they have these 10-minute confidence sessions before they start a class. So we're going to zoom in on them and watch them do it. And maybe this is something that we can do with them. Maybe there's another dance studio that teaches etiquette, like they're real sticklers for how to take a ballet class, like your hair must be up, earrings must be on. And then maybe they have a session where the parents are talking with the students of other parents from the other studio about the benefits of having a particular moral code or a particular dress code so that all... The rising tide lifts all the boats as opposed to studios having to go out of business because they're scrambling, whereas if they can figure yeah. out... Yeah, exactly. You understand. Yeah, I completely... Yeah, I see where you're going with that. This is our opportunity to come together as a whole dance community instead of separate entities. Yes. And all of the hashtags that are going around, of we're all in this together. We truly are. and And it may be a beautiful philosophy that can come out of this that the division and competition is taken away and we just realize that we're all providing a resource of something that we love. Now, of course, the studio does have to make money and it is a business, so that's where some of those elements come in. But if you can create some kind of alliance amongst the people around you that we're all going to provide equally toward the same goal, who knows what can come of that? I see win-wins. That's how oh, I see yeah. it. Oh, absolutely. I see That's win-wins. That's a, a great idea. I, I agree. And and it's unfortunate. I mean, competition is... Imp- I think there is benefit to competition if you enter 
into it the right way. You're coming into, uh, you come in with a new solo that's completely different for you and a stretch and you're putting yourself in those high anxiety situations of getting up on stage and it's, it's emulating what you'll have if you do choose to move into the industry and you're going into an audition and you're up against other people for the same position. It's, it's giving you that kind of reference point. But uh, so I think there is some health to it, but we don't have to become the, these uh, separate divisions. We are just trying to create beautiful dancers that we put into different types of environments. We're not against one another. I'm not really being I understand. my way of saying that, but, but I think you understand what I mean. We do better and we go further when we do it together. Yeah. Because we, could, we, could, we can create synergies and we can pull on each other and lean on each other and benefit from another dance studio owner's experience It'd be like the ultimate dance uh, meeting of the minds, right? But all for the same good. And it obviously wouldn't be nationwide, but it could be, it doesn't even have to be by by location. It could be... Especially not now. We're definitely coming to discover that. Yeah, we're not limited by location anymore. Okay, so I have uh, one final question for you. The reason I I wanted to get on the phone with you is... The last time I saw you at the Austin airport, you mm-hmm. were on your way home. We had just finished Tremaine Austin, so that was late 2019, where today it's, April, it's almost the end of April 2020. But you said that you were, we were talking about our passion, what you created with Human, H-U-M-A-N-N, what I create with my podcast, how as dancers we're led by passion, but we have to figure out how to become a business. And you were referencing that how valuable time is. And I want to ask you if you see yourself as a commodity and if you see yourself as a brand. That is funny that you just mentioned that because it is definitely something that we have discussed slightly, but um, I just had a call with my agent the other day and I've always had a difficult time being able to look at myself in that way because we are a product in a sense. Um, You have to learn very early on to separate yourself from your self-worth from that product so you don't go down some really unfortunate paths. Um, knowing who you are outside of what you do, just like I was saying at the beginning of this, is very important. And sometimes you'll have to to recalibrate at many points in your life. But um, your time is important. And you need to, for me, I just want to always do it in a fair way. If I'm coming into a studio and I'm going to come and teach and set numbers, I also came from parents that didn't have the means to pay lots of money. And I know the sacrifice that they made to be able to give me a solo by Doug Caldwell when I was 17 years old because that's the only thing that I wanted, but I know how hard they had to work to make that happen. So I don't ever want to come in and be like, this is my crazy fee because I'm here because I love it and I want these kids to have a beautiful experience like I did. So it's always a, a balance, a balancing act. Now, when it comes into professional work, you do have to know, again, that's a balancing act because you take some jobs to be able to create relationships and you know that that will lead to something else and you never want to be that person with an astronomical fee that then only does 
a couple gigs because they're known as that person that is just, that's a, a crazy amount and they're only going to fit under certain budgets. But you also don't want to just work for whatever so that then you're just working all the time and not really making the money off of it and not able to live a normal life. So it's always a balancing act. And my agent is definitely the one who says, okay, Katie, I think we need to raise your rate for this. I think we need to fight for that. And so if you're not the type of person that's inclined to that, like myself, I think it's important that you get someone on your team that is able to have those conversations for you so you don't feel so guilty. Because, again, I came into dance because I love it, because of the emotion behind it. It wasn't from such a – it wasn't from a clinical standpoint. It wasn't to try to make money. It was just something I loved, and then thankfully it was something that has been able to sustain me. So um, I think it's an individual process for everyone, and different people have different strengths in different places. But, um, yeah, that's where I stand with it. Now that you mentioned money, I, I love to talk about money. Do you manage your own money, or do you have someone to help you manage it? I manage my own money, and I am do very uh, – I'm. I've been taught, because, again, I had two entertainment-based parents, and – We've chosen a career path that you never really know what's going to happen. And I've always known I have to have at least eight months worth to live. And also this past year, I was just in such a place I didn't even have time to spend the money that I was making. But for me, it's very important that I keep a very close eye on my financial position because you don't know how long this is going to last. You have to figure out how that, how that money will last you, how to properly invest it. Um, you have to be smart about your life if this is the path that you're choosing because you could be super hot one second and the next second you're not. And it's like, okay, well don't, I hope you didn't spend all your money back there because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And right now it's a perfect instance of that because things are going out of business left and right. And if that was your main income, then if you don't have anything to fall back on, again, there are people in very privileged positions and others where they have a lot of circumstances working against them. So this is a, I have a lot of empathy for people's positions at the moment, but you do always have to set yourself up in this industry specifically to be prepared for whatever the environment's going to look like. Yep. Just before I hopped on the phone with you, I was on a, a conference call or a zoom call for this opening number for the spotlight awards, which um, is a beautiful scholarship, a beautiful scholarship program that happens for high school kids. And as with any job, you're given a whole bunch of hurdles and you have to figure out how to work around them. And, and that's something that I think if somebody wants to move into choreography or production and you think that it's just setting a couple eights or being creative as far as the movement goes, that's the furthest thing from what it ends up being because you'll, like, for example, when I did Macy's this past year, you create movement. It was with the Sesame Street cast, and there is, uh, you create what you think you want, and then when you add in the characters, there are a whole bunch of stipulations as to how that can be worked and what's happening technically underneath you to make their life, their world come to life, and then how you work around that. Everything is kind of working around what is technically needed. So you just kind of have everything thrown at you, and then you just figure out the best way to make it work. I think we're all in that position now where we've had the kitchen sink thrown at us, and now we have to be like, okay, this is our new normal. Let's figure it out. So, yeah. 
Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for doing something like this. I think it's important just for people to be able to hear perspectives and then be able to curate their own. You can tell she's smart, right? Curate your own perspective. Wow. I'm glad you had a chance to listen to Katie Tate. I enjoyed listening to her because it was a fresh perspective to know that someone wakes up For the rest of us, we've had like two months to acclimate ourselves, or three months, or four. But she was like, boom, wake up to a whole new world of dance. And that's what we're doing. Thanks for listening. This is Lori Talks. Check out the podcast. It's on Spotify and iTunes, which is going away. Apple's breaking it up into three different thingies. Apple Music, Apple Podcast, Apple Video. Something like that, yeah. But anyway, I digress. It's been a real joy. And come back, and we'll talk soon. And remember, this is meant to be a call-in show. So you can just call and talk about, like, whatever happened. Something happened during the day, you don't like it. Something happened during the day, you love it. Something happened during the day, and you just want to get it off your chest. You're like, who could I dump this on? (laughs) Hey, I'll take it. That's fine. For real. I'd rather enjoy it.